Bridge Over Troubled Waters was founded in 1970 to serve runaway, homeless, and high-risk youth, most of whom have been abused and neglected throughout their lives. The agency was among the first in the nation to recognize and respond to the growing population of homeless youth, a phenomenon which was to become a national issue. For 46 years, Bridge has been a national model and program innovator for youth development services, reaching youth where they're at, helping them overcome the effects of abuse and neglect, and assisting them to prepare for and attain training, jobs, and economic security. Today, as the premier agency in Boston serving homeless youth, Bridge provides its wraparound continuum of care approach to services for 3,000 youth each year. To read more about their services or to learn how to get involved and support Bridges, go to bridgeotw.org or go to abovethebasement.com and click on our Charitable Causes page. Boston Music and Conversation. That was a new single from Katrin Rausch called You, which is a bonus track off of her EP, Three Songs. This week, Jonathan Beakley and I sat down with the Boston-based singer-songwriter. A former busker with a powerful voice and great guitar chops, Katrin made her way to share the global stage with the likes of Chris Isaac, John Sebastian, Boz Skaggs, Huey Lewis, and Joan Armatrading. Halfway through our conversation, you will hear a song off her album Nature's Spirit called Dreams. And also we have the privilege of hearing her play two songs at the end, River of the Souls from her recent EP, and Wildflower, which is also from Nature's Spirit. And be sure to listen to the very, very end for an additional recording. I won't give it away, but we talk about it during the conversation. So here's our conversation with Katrin, recorded at Woods Hill Table in Concord, Massachusetts.
They say this about musicians, that they're always very careful with their hands, but they're not careful with their ears. And music is half listening, right? So you seem to be cautious about your ears, which is a good thing. My hearing? Oh, yes. yeah. Trying to be yeah protective of my hearing. Right. Do you wear earplugs when you play? It depends. I used to, but I don't play with like a lot of loud bands. So when I was playing with the drummer and, and there was always cymbals like right next to my ear because the stage was really yeah. small. Yeah. I realized I didn't I didn't have to play with the drummer like that. It was okay for me to play with percussion and it actually worked out a lot better. Yeah. I was a rocker. I was a Were rocker. You? Yeah, big I, time. I have a question about and that. And I probably have some hearing loss because of it. Uh. Now, perhaps I misread this, but on Facebook, people were asked to list albums that stuck with them. And I believe I saw on yours that Rush's 2112 was on there. Is that correct? Do I remember this that properly? That is correct. Oh, my goodness. So so you really are a rocker. Well, I guess, yeah, Rush, Rush. well, that album was a rocker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, like, if someone saw you on the street, they wouldn't think, oh, that's a real Temples of Searings person. But evidently, that's what's going on <laughs> under the covers, is it? Yeah, I guess it's all in there, you know what I mean? I don't, I haven't taken that album out and listened to it in a long time, but if, if and ever I do, and I'm sure I have it on vinyl even, I would... Yeah. Uh, be rocking out to it yeah because so i've listened to some of your music beforehand and i was listening to uh wildflower mm-hmm. and that's got some power chords it's got some kind of crazy drums in there it's kind of like a like oh, a yeah. little rock anthem. yeah that's like my wild child of my songs it's fantastic yeah. i like to pull that one out of my back pocket sometimes and yeah. it must be a yeah. blast to play it is a blast to play it, wow. yeah it definitely gives me a rush to play no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> so 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 you were in bands earlier on. That's how I started out. Yeah. I was in a band in my very young years. I was in a band called Zinnia Bloom and that's where I learned how to play guitar. I didn't even know how to play guitar yet. Yeah. I kind of put a guitar in my hands and was like here like so I kind of it was a trial by fire. Somebody kind of like held a fire up to my butt and was like learn to play and I, I knew I had it in me because I had musical training from playing violin. Okay. But kind of fell by the wayside and um it was a kind of a catalyst for me to, to realize I could write songs. I had a tool. I didn't have to depend on somebody else to strum chords while I came up with a song. I was like, oh, wow, I can actually do this. And I just started raking away. And next thing you know, I was writing a bunch of songs and and uh, became the main songwriter in my band and moved on to, to do other stuff. But you were playing, uh, play, uh, you were play playing electric, electric. Both electric and acoustic, yeah. 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 So that's phenomenal. So you are a professional musician and your primary instrument now is guitar and you didn't pick it up until you were 18, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Wow. But you know what, that's the yeah. thing. with anybody, We had this conversation before when we've had like violinist on and, and, a, and a flautist. And, and if you've played a classical instrument like a violin or even especially a, a cello or something, they always can pick up the guitar and they can just wipe the floor with me with the way they play and you play it you're, you're well, an amazing player and it's a fretted instrument so right exactly it, it tells you exactly where right. to put your fingers right right so, exactly yeah. yeah I don't think picking up if I it's you know fair. tried to pick up the violin at my age now there's no way that I'd be able to play with the feel that somebody could have sure. when they grew up yeah. playing it you know what I mean it's so, like going backwards is probably not as easy but yeah. so does your violin playing or does it inform your guitar playing in any way for example like with a violin you can give each note a color because of vibrato and things so do you do that like do you do you use a tremolo or you know anything like that um it actually informs my singing that violin training informs my singing because it gave me really good um pitch like i can really hear yeah. pitch well okay. and the melody and everything it was musicality for me that was like my lessons kind of internalizing but uh guitar i guess i mean I, i'm not really i don't really go off and, and play a bunch of solos and stuff that's not really me i like the colorful chord progressions and and uh, down tunings and kind of the fullness of playing a solo acoustic guitar you know so you went from playing in bands when you were 18 and then somehow you became a busker is that right you were a street musician is that correct yeah yeah i did um some busking and i started trying to do it in harvard square uh, one summer with a friend um, who i was playing in a band with and we uh, would go out there a few times a week and uh, ended up raising a bunch of money and taking a trip to scotland and so we did busking all over scotland and we went to the edinburgh festival and that was my first time ever going overseas and it was completely funded on on our busking no way yeah how many years did you busk for? We busked for a couple of months, and then we saved up the money and went on our trip. And you, yeah. you, and you busked over and then, in Scotland? And then we too? were in Scotland, and then uh, a few years later, I started doing it in Haram Fania Home Marketplace. Okay. And that was like a legitimate kind of, almost like a job you show up to, because you have a schedule, you yeah. have an insurance policy, you have an audition. It wasn't just like a free-for-all. You kind of had to 
have permission to be there. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, do, you, do you get dental with that? <laughs> no. Yeah, there's, okay. there's a lot. Actually, there's been a lot in the in the news today about people who play at Faneuil Hall. They, oh, yeah? Yeah, they've, they've been talking about charging people who play there or perform there because there's so many people who want to do it and there's they were starting to oh. organize about it. And well, it was organized at one point and they had uh, an audition and um, then you bought an insurance policy and then the rest was just you take, trying to get your time slot at a certain spot. They had different designated spots around there. There was like maybe two or three that somebody like me could set up at. Yeah. And then there was the big axe that would, you know, they're throwing torches and up on unicycles and stuff. That was the main draw. And yeah. then there was us musicians. We'd kind of take the <laughs> spill off afterwards. And I'd sold tons of CDs and I met tons of people from all over the world and I'm still in touch with them. And it, it was in a, it was really a very important part of, of me developing as an artist. How old were you when you started busking? I was probably about 21. 21? And yeah. you said you already had a CD out. At 21, I think my first CD came out, yeah, like shortly after that. Was yeah. it Katrin, the CD? It was Katrin with it, yeah, it was um, a uh, rock and roll CD, yeah. It's called so this Out was of bef- Nothing. Yeah, so this was before Nature Spirit. Yeah, no, yeah, you guys know a little bit about me. I didn't know, we did, you know, we did some res- We did research. <laughs> okay. We got lots of notes. Yeah, Nature Spirit, that was 2004. And that was um, kind of a departure. It was more acoustic and earthy and, you know, had, had more of a, a chill type of a, a vibe to it. But Wildflower was on that one. We we're talking about my song Wildflower. Yeah. And that one's had a couple of go-overs in the studio. I've done it, uh, that version. Then I went up back and recorded it again in kind of a different way. And it kind of keeps on evolving. It's my. It's nice to have a song that you can live with because sometimes they kind of get a little old and stale and you don't want to do them anymore. And that yeah. song always, depending on who I'm playing it with or you know what time in my life, it always takes on a different color. And it's always exciting for me to play it. So that one will always be there. How much of, uh, of busking do you kind of say, this is where I got my chops? Is that is that really where you kind yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, the like, there, definitely there? when you're, when you have to clock in those, I don't know how many thousands of hours it takes a person to become good at something. 10,000, I, I think, is yeah, what they say. Yeah, I definitely did some clocking there. And it, it helped me loosen up. And I was more shy, I think, before I started doing that. It definitely toughened me up, but it also made me less shy you know just kind of showing up I mean like kind of a weird experience there really is no barrier you're not on stage I mean right anything can happen at any time in the middle of the city so yeah who knows what the heck can happen yeah Yeah, I can imagine how I felt safe there though right there would be no stage fright when really people walking by have no expectations for what is going to happen right whereas if if there's a concert or something and you're playing in a venue people are coming to see you and their expectations and that Raises the stakes, right? Sort of, but you know what? I always brought my A game because it was for me. It was a practice in performance, like it. it, And so I did get nervous, and people did kind of wait around to see what I was going to do. And uh, after a while, people would come there because they knew I was going to be there. So it became just as like the beginning when I was learning how to play guitar at the age of eighteen. We wouldn't just go down to the basement to play. We would go to some club that the drummer's dad was a member of, and we'd go and we'd set up our stuff. We'd carry all of our stuff in. We'd set it up on stage. We'd, you know, we'd get our sounds, and we would suck hard just doing it because we wanted to perform. We wanted to make it an act, and then we'd learn how to you know, rep up all our stuff and get off the stage really fast because that was a big deal, too. If you couldn't get your stuff on and off a stage really quick, then sound guys would get really mad at you. Like In the 90s, it was just like it was part of... Your job, you know yeah. what I mean. So it's that's a recurring theme when we've ever we've talked to anybody, and that it's the performance is where you, the studio certainly has its own place and where you're learning. And it, until you play in front of an audience, until you're in that zone of of having to deal with the audience and the stage and the sound guy and the lights and trying to make your tone sound good, that's where you really learn how to be a musician. I think, and that's and it still scares the crap out of me. Yeah. So oh you, yeah, it's never so you, over. So you it's get never sta- over. You, so you get stage fright. Yeah, you do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do. Don't, I don't see it. Good. But, so you're hiding it pretty well. The, you just came out with a single. Uh, yes, I did. So is it just a single? You don't have you don't you don't have uh, other songs that are or that maybe they're in their works right now, or it's, is it just? It's a part of the um, the plan to release this single called "You." Yes. And then there's a three song CD that I'm yeah, I'm putting out. I'm gonna add the song "You" to it. Would be a little bonus track. So I'm gonna like have a little EP. I love and, the song. Uh, 
it's thank a, you. It's a great song. Who's on mandolin for that? Uh, that's Chris Ledbetter. Chris Ledbetter. Yeah. I've seen him. He plays yeah. with Dignifignus a lot. I've seen him yes, play with yes. him. And, yeah. Um, I've known Chris a really long time. Oh, yeah? I used to no. play with Digny, too, so that's kind of how oh, okay. we, we met. But yeah, I, I love the song, and I love the man, the mandolin part. And there was, really there was something that I read that you said, the song has kind of been a bug in your ear for about a couple, for a couple years. My question is, is the bug in your ear, was it that little, was it the mandolin riff that's kind of going through the da-da-da-da, that part? Or was it something else in the song? Um, it was. Uh, it was actually the you. Oh, okay. You. Interesting. I have a question about like that that bug in your that the, the tune or whatever that part of the song is that kind of sticks in your head. Is that kind of the, the impetus for a song? You kind of get that riff or that. Is it a word? Is it an idea? How do you when you start in a song like that? Like, what does it start for you? Well, yes, a bug. And if well, if it keeps on coming back to visit me, then I know it's something that I should probably pay attention to. It's catchy. So many things fall, go through my mind, and then I forget to write it down or I'm not in a good place, and it'll just be gone. But this was a song that kept on coming back, and I think I had recorded little bits and pieces of it, and I saved it, and then I took it back out again after a while. I do that. I like kind of record very small snippets of things that I'm attracted to for some reason, and then I'll forget about them. And then I get to open up all my files, and I'll go, hey, oh my God, I almost forgot that I did that. I kind of like that, and it'll... I'll be less worried about it because a little time has passed, so it'll give me more to to work with and let, I'll have like less uh, scrutiny on myself, you know. Yeah, thank God Kinda for let iPhones. It fly. <laughs> I've, I've been driving down the road and I'll pull over and pull out my iPhone and hum and whistle into it. And the problem is, whenever I hum or whistle into it, I never get what I'm actually. Do you making. really pull over? I are do. You just saying that? <laughs> I do. There's no. There's, I mean, I, I I do. I really do. I do pull over. But it's always if it's if I whistle it, I never get what the initial bug was. Right? I, I always lose. Don't it. you wish you could just put like an earphone jack into your brain and let <laughs> yeah. the music come out? Because sometimes it's just it's that hard to get what's inside my head. Sometimes to really recreate that on the outside. If I did, if I like someday guitar, I will. Okay. I mean, we're still evolving. We're all evolving. I don't want to evolve to have a headphone jack in my head, but I do want to evolve <laughs> no, but be to nice be to able to get what's in my head out before natural. something comes and and disturbs it. Because it always changes. Things are always changing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just got to catch it while it's there. So yep. are you starting with the melody, though, when, when you get when you get inspired? Is it a melody that's coming to mind, or is it a lyric that's coming to mind, or is it, is, or is it a feel or an emotion that comes to it, mind? It, it's got to, whatever it is, it has to have an emotion attached to it. Yeah. And sometimes um, it'll just be me playing on my guitar, and I'll find some cool pattern, and that'll make me want to sing the melody, and then kind of glues it for me. Lyrics sometimes started, but usually it's like a feeling, the guitar, the vocals come. Well, you said the words kind of start to form. Sometimes they don't even have words. They're just right. made up until they start to form and kind of... Right. Like, I think David Byrne was was that way. I think he would, when he would construct songs, he would construct them with nonsense sounds, you know, words, and then he would write lyrics afterwards to match right. whatever he had established emotionally That's through the interesting. music. Yeah, because sometimes you have a word or two, but you got a, you got a yeah. lot of fill in a lot of blanks and other times there's like a full sentence and you can work off of that to create a whole song but for me it's usually the the guitar and the vocals sometimes right? when lyrics are really obscure <laughs> the the songs are more compelling right yes, so i'm thinking exactly. of, so I'm thinking of steely dan Very right R-E-M-ish. because every time you listen to a steely dan song the lyrics can mean something different because they're 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 so inscrutable good so, word inscrutable inscrutable Thank Very you. Nice. <laughs> My work here is done. Yeah, you get a gold star. So, you know, as an original performer, there are all of these things that you have to do, right? You have to write lyrics. You have to write the song, the musical part of the song. You have to perform the song. You have to sing, right? There are all these things that you have to do. Is there is there part of the process that you like the least or that you dread or that you, you question yourself about the most? Because there's so many pieces to it. The part that I question about the most is probably the stuff in between, I don't really like to talk that much, and I find that that's probably the the hardest part for me is in between the songs. Oh. Yeah, when you're a solo okay. acoustic guitar player, um, the ex- expectation is that you're going to tell a bunch of jokes, and you're actually going to spend more time talking than playing your music. And and I'm very spontaneous. I don't like to can stuff. And sometimes performers will have a whole bunch of stuff, and I can maybe have a couple of touch points I can go back to if I become a deer in the headlights. But yeah, I just kind of like to roll with it. And I don't always make a, a set list beforehand either, which can sometimes be frustrating for other people. I'll have like the first three songs, and after that, 
I have to like call it because I have a really good feeling about what would be good f- next for the audience musically. But um, yeah. But talking talking to an audience has always been a little. I've always felt a little bit shy about that. When I play with Chuck, I make Chuck tell me what the first song is going to be, and then after that, we we just go. Right, but I need to know what the first one is. Mm-hmm. And, and oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah you, you may find that out right before we play. <laughs> well, you you got to mentally prepare. Chuck, a you, bit. you just get up on stage. You go one, two, three, four. <laughs> sometimes, do you ever do this to your bandmates? Because sometimes the guitarist will start playing and he won't establish the downbeat, and so the drummer, you know, you could be playing, you could be playing something very syncopated that has like an offbeat something or other, and then your drummer comes in a half beat off. That ever happened to you? Or no? Okay. Oh yeah. Me. Okay. Yeah, things like that happen. Okay. Speaking of drummers. Yeah. So you have a relationship with Jerry Murata, right? Right. Is this correct? So how did this come about? So he was the drummer for a number, I mean, a number of incredible acts. Yeah, Peter Gabriel, and the list goes on and on. Yeah. He's Indigo Girls drummer. He was Hall yeah. & Oates drummer. So how did you get hooked up with Jerry? Um, met him through uh, a mutual friend that was looking to record an album, um, drove out to Woodstock on a weekend and met him at Dreamland and played him one of my songs and talked about what it would be like to, to record an album and if he was interested and was. So um, I spent uh, probably the next two years going back and forth from Woodstock, um, from Boston, and working on things, sometimes in big chunks, and other times we just go to his home studio and, and uh, finish writing songs together or hanging out and, and uh, chipping away. Well, didn't he also help sing. you write that song? Was it was it you that he helped write? Or which is um, the one he, that he... Uh, yeah, he came over to my house probably about six months ago. We started working on you, and I had pretty much the whole song, but I couldn't figure out the arrangement, and there was the bridge, and he brought his bass. He didn't even bring his drums with him. And we just sat down in my uh, studio and went through it and tried to come up with the, the bridge, and then I was able to write the lyrics for it, and we finished it and um, recorded it. <laughs> the, drum, the drumming on your songs are it's incredibly impressive. I am I very, very lucky. Uh, yeah, I was lucky, listening to lucky. the song Far Away, and the drumming on it is just amazing, very nuanced and lots of ghost notes. It's really wonderful. Yeah, there's nobody quite like Jerry. I'm spoiled. I wish I could have him closer so we could do more gigs he together. He still lives in Woodstock? Yep. He's always running from here to there doing gigs. And and you also play with, with Alison Keslow. I play with Alison Keslow. Okay, Fabulous gal. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She was our first guest on... on I this. Yeah, and I heard uh, I heard the uh, interview. Oh, good. Yes. And you know that she was also nominated the second year in a row. Yes, for, yes. Yeah, she's. Yeah. I think I was the one who told her about it. She didn't even know. I, I let <laughs> yeah. her know before she found out. So I also read that you do a lot of open tunings. Yes. And, you know, I've, I've always liked to play with open tunings in my own house with no one hearing me because, you know, you get to f- make up little fingerings and things like that. But I've never done it live. Is this something that you've kind of done from the beginning of you playing the guitar, playing the open tunings, something you kind of morphed into? How's um, it, it worked I morphed into it. I morphed into it. I, I think I had seen a couple of other people use tunings and it inspired me. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a fan of Jimmy Page and Joni Mitchell. And so I, I try to hear what they were doing and tune my guitar and try to figure out what they were what tuning they were in and then um just a lot of practice of tuning on the fly or having an extra guitar because sometimes strings break when you're always tuning yeah it just became a part of what i do because it was um i'm a self-taught guitar player yeah and i'm not methodical so it gave me more to work with and more color to work with yeah and um, I don't really think about the guitar um, in in the sense that I've I've had an education with it, so it's kind of like rail method for me. So if I find something I really like, I'll just that tuning will just bring me into different sounds and inspire my writing. Do you do standard open tunings? Or you kind of make up your own. I made up my own here and there, but got some ideas from listening to Jimmy Page, and I think uh, there's a couple of uh, Dad Dad tunings in there mm-hmm. that I got from Joni Mitchell and, yeah. and then I just kind of fished around and found found some weird ones with capos and stuff. Do you have other guitars that you take with you that are already pre-tuned that, or do you tune them on stage? Um, I have two guitars that I take with me and either one of them could be in an alternate tuning depending on the show. You know I remember reading something about uh, Nick Drake who used to do a lot of open tunings and there's a story about him being in coffee shops where he would play a song and he would take like 15 minutes to tune up. He would just tune and tune and tune and he'd, and he'd lose the audience because it took him so long to tune. So I know. That's but, like, yeah, you don't want to do that. No. But, I've had some of those moments where I'm like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, up, up. They're not going to, it's good enough, it's good enough. Okay, let's well, get on with it. I do recall you tuning something at Toad and it wasn't an awkward. Excruciating? Like yeah. Apparently his was like so excruciating. People were like, all right, come on, let's, let's go. No, but, that is pretty torturous. But, uh, yeah. There's a band that I'm in 
and we have a song in drop D. So that's the song that we play before we end the set. So we don't have to tune back yeah. that one that's string. A, well, that's a way to keep that? the act rolling because it is. It can be, especially when you're playing with different strings and somebody's yeah. out of tune. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I do it all the time. I always I'll drop the high E sometimes. And I'll forget all the time to turn it back. <laughs> and I'll be playing. I'm like, like who's playing the wrong chord? And then I'll realize that's the sign. It was me the whole time. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I've had some pretty frightening moments. Does it help you vocally? Is it, does it help you write? Is yes. It... Yeah. Alternate tunings are like, they opened up a whole other world for me. The fullness and everything that you can get. Yeah. Especially because when I was, in a, I was in a band earlier where we didn't have a bass player. So I would do a lot of, sometimes I would just, I would just bar you know, the second uh, to the second fret, leave the open E. And just we had that low end, which really kind of did a lot for us. It kind of added some in- interesting things in there. But, uh, and you did that, didn't you do that for also for the Led Zeppelin cover, the, the That's the Way? Uh, yeah, an that's an alternate tune with a capo. There you yeah, go. That's a that's great, one. you play that song awesomely. Thank you. I love that. And you did another one with Ledbetter. What is and what should ever be. Yeah, that's yeah. so, that was so great. I saw the video of that one there. Yeah, that and, was a lot uh, of fun. Yeah, you guys, he's got some nice harmonies in there with you too. Uh, and another thing I wanted to mention was there was a video. You actually did, we just redid your whole website, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yep. it kind of, I remember going back, I'm like, this looks yep. all brand new. But there was a video on there, the artist, the painter. Was oh, yeah, was Asa. Name? Asa. From New Orleans. That was the coolest video I've seen where he kind of, you, he just paints to the song and, and he adds people as they start coming into the song yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, that was really good. That was um, uh, my husband and I met him when we were in New Orleans and um, stayed in touch and kind of had this wild idea that maybe we could collaborate somehow. And it ended up working out. Took a, took a while to get it there, but um, very cool. I, I wish I could do more videos like that. I don't even know where, where that guy is anymore. Oh, uh, I mean, videos are so far and few between to be. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever make a uh, video like a music video like again I think I'm I'm thinking more like what you said dreams and and people if you're listening you should go check it out because it's um it's kind of like an adult coloring book with music you just watch it and feel good yeah do you have do you <laughs> have it hanging bombarded up by like these so, themes that that interfere with the meaning of the song you know yeah it does yeah the so angel i there. have that yeah it's in a box but yes i'm putting it on my living room as soon as i can find it because i just moved so i'm trying to find things right now still it's gotta be pretty big isn't it it's big yeah, yeah. i have two actually he made two because he had to try it a couple times so oh, god it's fantastic yeah. to the heart, right? I mean, there's, I, there's some yeah. pretty tough, pretty tough lyrics yep. in there. Yep, definitely uh, live, you know, through personal experience and like my way of uh, moving through things in life, I suppose, is yeah. to get a little perspective and then write about them and 
let go and move move on, move through. That was uh, definitely a less happy time in my life when I was writing those songs, yeah. but needed to. You needed to get it out. You have a little girl, right? I do. And, yeah. and she just turned two. And I think when I saw you, you were saying that you only had a couple more gigs and then you were taking some time off. I think that's when I saw you. You were still pregnant, I think, at the time. Oh, yeah? Okay. You must have been. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. That's two years ago? Yeah. God, that's a long time ago. I mean, yeah. you know, not that you remember when I was there, but... but uh, yeah, and I remember meeting you, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. but, I, but I remember you saying you were taking, taking some time off, and you, yeah. did, you did take some time yep. off. How did that kind of work for you? Were, you? were you writing a lot? I mean, I know you obviously have a baby, and you yeah. got to deal with that. It was... Having a baby was very much an all-encompassing sure. thing, and uh, it still is. Yeah. Um, but uh, has kind of given me a well to draw from. Now I just need the time and the organization <laughs> to start writing again, you know. It's uh, good to have all that nutrition, I guess you can say. There's sure. so much to, to write about, and, and all these awesome life experiences that I'm having uh, eventually is all going to come out, you know. But uh, taking, I deserve, I felt like I had deserved to take some time off and just, you know, experience being a mom and write when I can and, and you know, do some performing when I can, but be pretty choice about it and... Yeah, I miss it, though. I miss kind of doing the regular gig thing, but I don't really miss playing in bars where everybody's talking and there's so much noise and yeah, just trying to cut through is like an energy drain. So what are your, what mm -hmm. are your favorite places to play in? I've, uh, I really enjoyed um, playing in uh, the Cambridge scene for a while. And like, I love that, that bar toad that, you know, that's a really yeah, it's great one place. One of my favorite just, places. Yeah. yeah, I just like it. It's a great place Because people play. listen. They sit there and they yeah, watch. Yeah, it's a good, listen. it's a bar, but it's a listening room. Mm. And um, Homegrown Coffee House in Needham is another really good listening room. Um, not a bar, but really a, a really well-run and, and uh, a very warm and welcoming place to play. The touring that I did in Europe was, was really awesome. You were in Italy, right? Went to Italy, went to Switzerland and France. Now, what, and, uh, what was that like? That was awesome. Was that all like was self? Awesome. Were was you under, under management there? Or did someone? someone yeah, help somebody you? helped me um, put together a tour, and it was solo. And I brought a friend with me to help me with the driving and a little bit of support. So, what kind of venues yeah. are we talking about here? Um, mm. Listening rooms, um, large festivals, coffee houses, and and you know bars, Euro style bars, and things like that. Kind of a whole mixture of stuff. Had some community events where you know the whole town came out, little town in, in Switzerland and then there were other things where it was like St. Patrick's Day in Italy and you wouldn't believe how much they celebrate St. Patrick's Day in Italy. Really? Oh yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So you've opened for or played along with some pretty big names, right? So there's Chris Isaac and Boss Gags and Huey Lewis and all these folks. And so did, did you open for these for these bands? Open for them, yes. So what was that like? So those that must have been a much larger venues, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Cape so, Cod Melody Tent, Lowell Summer Music Series. Yeah, and so yeah. did you ever get a chance to play along with these bands? Like I would imagine that playing Lido Shuffle with Boss Gags would be just, that would be the pinnacle. Uh, well, Lido, I, I did get to play his guitar. I didn't get to play with him, but um, one of the things that, that a lot always remember about that show is that how nice Boss Gags was because not all artists are as accessible that, as him. That's yeah. what I was going to ask. Yeah. How do they treat, how do the, you know, how is the opening it act varied. treated? It varied from artist to artist and the management and stuff, but I broke a string. It was my second to last song. I broke a string. I didn't have another guitar with me. And um, the uh, stage guy came out and handed me a guitar really beautiful uh, Gibson, probably vintage, you know, really nice guitar, and it had a really cushy strap, and I was like, oh, what? And he goes, here, um, Boz wanted you to have this, and I was like, what? wow, oh, thanks. Wow. So I, I sang, um, I think it was Imagine by John Lennon was my last song, and I got to play his guitar, and then thank him he watched my entire set from the side of the stage and I didn't even know he was there the whole time oh, wow. and I hardly recognized him because I've got his albums from the 70s <laughs> right, right. Yeah. well he looks really good I you know sure but it just, I had to do a double thing like oh my god that's oh wow well, I think he's, he's 70, like I really I think he's 72 years old now he was really well you wouldn't really even you know he he sounds great he looks great he was like yeah I really really like your music you know I'd love to talk to you later on and we never really found each other it got a little hectic at the end of that night but uh it's always nice to have a good interaction. Yeah, Chris so Isaac was also super nice. I brought my stepson um, with me as my uh, my roadie. He was maybe about 13 or something like that. And yeah. I brought him, and um, I have a picture of him and I, and he's got his arm around uh, my stepson, Max, and they're smiling, and he was talking about surfing and, and dolphins. And, you know, like he, he has this amazing lifestyle, and he was just really happy guy and, and generous with his with his time. 
you know. So you started off with the, with the rock band. And was it like a was it like a heavy rock? What kind of rock and roll was it? Um, was no, I mean like it was always acoustic rock. It, oh, okay. You know, yeah, it was never like death metal or anything <laughs> like that. No, is there is there a type of music that that you like to listen to that you would like to start playing towards, like ease into more? I don't know, fifty one fifty. You know, I really, I really or? like. You know, it's funny. I, I really like Radiohead. Oh yeah, I, have you heard oh. the new album? The the, the not pool, in its entirety. Pool? Oh, I'm obsessed with it. Okay, well, you, it you're, I'm gonna again. have to gonna have to go get that. I can't remember the name of it. But um, what I like about well, you know, sometimes there's songs you can you can kind of tell. I I don't know, maybe you can't, but like, did they do that on purpose, or was that just something that they all just kind of came? <laughs> yeah, like no. it, and then Why do they always stop on a dime? Like everybody knows when to stop, and you're like, how is that possible? You guys knew when to stop that. I don't know. You know, but I just love that they can go off on these things, and it's total freedom. Yeah. And I feel like as a singer songwriter, we're kind of put into these boxes that you have to kind of you have to have the chorus, the bridge, and then you, you know what I mean. You end it, and you put a nice little bow on it, and here's your three and a half minutes song. Right. Like that's not the case with them. No, not at, at all. all. So not what, at all. So when I was listening to your music, I thought that you have a vocal quality that's sort of like Brandy Carlile. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. her music, and she covers yeah. uh, Radiohead's "Creep." It's incredible, and she just kills it. Yeah. But yeah. even yeah. even yeah. "Creep" is is more the standard song. Where some of their, if you've ever seen um, uh, like the limbs, Im- what's the what's the it's limbs rock, one? It's rock improv, and yeah, I don't and the know. Drumming what to call is it, like it's all kind of syncopation is like all off, and I could never figure out like how they play it. But the the latest one, the pool one, I, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it. It's a little more traditional song, and they've got some nice, really acoustic pieces in there. Mm. Um, I love it. it. Actually, scares my my daughter. It kind of freaks her out. She oh yeah. Little, oh, I would be scared dark. too. It's a yeah. little dark, but I, I yeah. love it. I've been listening to it over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah, I like I like some darkness. So that's what you want to do. You want to start. <laughs> yeah, I don't want a little I don't darker. want to be all sunshine. Yeah, no, but that's um, boring. a little bit of edge, a little dark, you know, minor chords, just things that are you know, all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, yeah. For songwriters. So you got the you got the you got the three song EP. I guess is what you call it. is that what it is? Is it an EP with that? Um, and then the fourth song is you on it. Yeah, we, I just um, I had three songs, um, but never really got a chance to give it a good push out there. Yeah. So it's been like you know my happy little thing that I've been carrying around and not really doing what I think it deserves to to have some more listen. So yeah, I'm gonna re-release it, put um, my new song you as a bonus track on there, and and uh, send it off into the world. Yeah, and you're going to tour, you're going to you know start really hitting the venues and, and Um yeah, I'm going to start yeah, start kind of getting getting out there more. Have you have you been playing a lot lately out or Uh no, not a lot. Mm-mm. No. Nope. But little, it's start, starting to ramp, you're starting to ramp up. Yeah, I'm starting to ramp up. I mean, it, you know, moving takes a lot out of you. Um I'm going to have um, Oh, you just moved. You just yeah. moved there. I remember Yeah, I just moved and on, it was a pretty big uh big move and and yeah. uh Where were you where are you moving from? Uh we were in Brookline. Okay. So we're um, kind of just settling. Welcome to the Burbs. Yeah, the burbs. Oh, kind of. Ba- welcome back to the Burbs. I oh, mean, really? like kind of. Um, even uh, even then, so I'm, Lincoln has a feeling of not really being in the suburb, even though it kind of it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of like that. I can pretend that I'm like way out in the country where I and I can drive to Boston in a half an hour. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, I live. We live in Carlisle, both Jonathan and I, and we have this pack of coyotes of coyotes oh my gosh it's like someone's being so murdered outside. oh and there is somebody being murdered outside <laughs> it's unbelievable <laughs> i was actually I, I got a recording of it i'll show you it to you later the, the recording somebody's is, cat mm-hmm. that is the recording is it's incredible you have a recording oh yeah I got a recording. it it's sounds like, like a bunch of wild faint. banshees like they sound like they could be human right I know. it yeah. is it is terrifying it is it's like mm-hmm. it's like the, it's what's that witch movie that yeah. that in the woods. I once had a moose in my front yard, a genuine moose. In Carlisle? In Carlisle? And it's, cr- it's completely That's crazy amazing. because that means the moose somehow crossed 495, <laughs> which is terrifying. <laughs> well, there's a moose crossing wow. there, so they always make sure that they, <laughs> That's right. they, they cross at that crossing. That so poor that, moose. That so, so the, the, again, you is, is really great. And after this is sent out into the world, you know, are you on Spotify? Uh, yes. Because I, try, I, t- I couldn't find you, and I tried to find you on, and I, and, I mean, I have your album, so yeah. I, I don't search for the well, last name. Spotify isn't the... isn't the favorite amongst independent musicians because you get like a half a penny for <laughs> right. a stream. No, I, I always tell um, people. So to buy I always the... go to iTunes is when I, where I say if you're gonna buy yeah. something, go to iTunes. They're a little bit nicer. Well, I actually own. Um, I have I have the physical artifact. Oh. So that's what we always tell people to get. Do 
always buy the physical artifact. Oh, really? The physical yeah. artifact? Yeah. People don't do that anymore. Uh, well, they should. Oh, come on. Yes, we always tell people to do it. Come on, you They're have a record They're coasters. You have a record player. <laughs> I know. I have a record player. and don't I you like. Buy albums I know, now? but I'm, I, you know, I do. Yeah. I do, but I'm. They're I'm coming back. I know they are, but I, I wish that people would not. Like, it's nice to get the physical thing, but people just steal music now. It doesn't even matter to it's, them. It's true, but... Um, they just take it. I, we always, it doesn't matter. Uh, we always tell people to buy the physical artifact, and if you can't buy the physical artifact, then get it on iTunes. And the yeah. last thing you should do, if you just don't have it with you, is then you can stream it on, you know, on Spotify. It, right. But you should always pay the artist as much as you can. That's what I always, that's what we yeah. always tell them. People that's what us know. old people think, at least. <laughs> no, that's why vinyl is becoming so big, because it's, it's, some, you know, it's money in your pocket. That's mm. what we like to do. And you can, all, yeah, if, if people have a turntable and they want to spend $30 on a, on a piece of vinyl, because that's what, yeah. it's kind of more like for collectors. It's a yeah. special, it is. you know. But you get and that. some bands have followings like that. It yeah. works, you mm-hmm. know. But you get that cover art with the album, yes. with the vinyl. Right? Yes. You just don't get with the you, CD. Yeah, you missed that. Yeah. No, but Wilco, when they put out their album, they include the CD and a download card. So you get the whole, you get all three yeah. things when, yeah. you buy their, when you buy their album. Yeah, which is, yeah, which is great, and then you get yeah. everything, and it costs them nothing. I just made know? download cards and see how that works. I haven't tried that yet; just oh. got some, so we'll see how that works out. It might be more appealing. Do you ever teach? Um, yeah, I've done some teaching here and there. I teach. Um, funny enough, like for for several years, I was actually teaching um, preschool music. Not like music together and stuff. Yeah, like we were just talking. No, about but that. something <laughs> like that. I mean, but more, you know, definitely not not necessarily a formula. Per se, but yeah, right. I did. I, I, you know, developmental stuff for for little kids, and um, you know, I've done some teaching, but I always felt like I wouldn't really make the best teacher because I'm self-taught. I could definitely lend a pointer here and lend a pointer there, but I always feel like, why would I want to teach somebody how to sing when I I don't really even know how I do it? Yeah. Like I never really picked it apart. You know what I mean? And nobody ever kind of taught me how to use my voice in a healthy way. It's just something I kind of learned how by survival. Like drink a lot of water. Don't you know? Get enough sleep. Don't scream when you sing. You know what I mean? Just certain things and, and just uh, projecting and having the confidence. It was more like if I were to teach anybody anything, it would probably be how to, how to find the confidence within yourself to put yeah. your real voice out there. So you, you know? never took lessons for singing at all? Um, no. I mean, I was in a chorus as a, as a kid. I had ear training you yeah. know, from a really good choral instructor, and yeah. I was really into that. Yeah, no, I never really had a vocal coach or vocal lessons, and so... There's people out there who who really know the mechanics of the human voice, and you sure. should not mess with your voice. You know what I mean? If you are having vocal problems, if somebody came to me, I can't. Something's wrong. But like, go to somebody yeah. else. Don't listen to me because it is so intricate inside of your your body and your in your throat. You know what I mean? You don't want to mess with that. Yeah, it's always a problem. I always yeah. blow my vocal cords out, and it's terrible. I, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it wrong. But you have a very powerful voice. I mean, you have a beautiful voice. Thanks. And uh, you played Purple Rain at, uh, at Toad. Oh, my um, God, yeah. And it was it blew the room away. It was so good. And, I mean, really, it was it was fantastic. Thank I told you. my I told my Aww. my my friend. I said we got to we got to we got to play that song now. And he's like, we can't do it like that. I miss and I'm Prince. Like, oh, you're right. You know, this in this Purple Rain that was like way before everything went down with um right. with Prince, but. Now I haven't I haven't sang that song since he died. Well, we we play we play some David Bowie after he after he passed. We started playing yeah. David Bowie. He's uh, bigger than ever now. Unfortunately, he's. Isn't that funny passed. how that happens? Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? You live forever when you're a musician. That's, That's true. kind of a good thing, right? That's the beauty of it. Yeah, you live on and on and on. Well, we'd love to have you play a song for us. Sure. Can you? What do you want to play for us? You can think about it if you Let want. Let me think about There's it no, for a second. No pressure. Okay. We'll put this on hold. Okay. And Very you good. can think and we'll tune you up. And Are you going to do an alternate tuning? <laughs> if you want me to, sure. <laughs> I'll dig in there and try to find so something. So much pressure. <laughs> All right, hold on. We'll pause this. What are you going to play for us? Uh, River of the Souls.
talking about that earlier so. <clears throat> that's true if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out we'll see what happens oh, I, I'm, I'm optimistic <laughs> we just okay
Catherine is so great live. She has such amazing energy when she sings, and her guitar playing is really fun to watch. To get her recent EP, three songs, and her other releases, and also to find out where she is playing live, go to catrinmusic.com. Also, stay tuned to hear a bonus recording of some local wildlife that we mentioned. Go to our own website at abovethebasement.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. On behalf of Jonathan, Ronnie, and myself, thanks for listening. Tell your friends, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique. Above the Basement Boston Music and Conversation is recorded at beautiful Woods Hill Table Restaurant in West Concord, Massachusetts. Woods Hill Table owns a farm in Bath, New Hampshire, where they raise their own meat. They offer a full raw bar and fresh fish caught off the coast of Massachusetts, and they even harvest their own maple syrup and honey for use in the restaurant. Local farms supply all their vegetables and grains, and Chef Charlie Foster uses international cooking techniques to create fantastic, seasonally-focused cuisine. Go to woodshilltable.com for reservations or call 978 369 6300.